I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Women Tech Charge. I'm your host, Amory Imafadon, and today I am joined by multi award winning self care champion and executive director of Glitch UK, Shay Akiwawa. A lot of people come to me and say, oh, you know, I don't come, I don't go on Twitter anymore, or I don't post much on Instagram because of the fear of abuse. And I'm like, nah! I love being out doing workshops and speaking engagements to talk to young people about reclaiming the online space. And that's what we're all about, championing digital citizenship. Welcome to the podcast. Hey! <laughs> Thank you for coming. Before we get started properly, can you explain to the listeners what Glitch is? So Glitch is my oops baby, founded two and a half years ago after I experienced my oops baby because I didn't mean to set this up. Uh, like you know how people are like, I woke up one day and I had and a I dream was and <laughs> that's what oops baby. Um, but you know people wake up one day and like, I. I woke up and I, you know, I knew I was gonna like make poverty history, and I had a vision about setting up Comic Relief or Band Aid, or like that didn't happen. It started off. I was a elected councillor, so I was the, one of the youngest black female councillors representing East London, but but, and I was invited to the European Parliament to make a speech, and this was this was the time that we were like globally discussing the Syrian refugee crisis and like Europe's response to this, and so kind of very long story short, some of the French national were there. My existence just annoys the far right. And I made an impromptu speech um, defending the Syrian refugee on the panel. That speech was posted online a few months later. And then it went viral. And then it was posted on a neo-Nazi forum. And I was just like on the receiving end of relentless targeting and harassment. Like it was unbelievable. And law enforcement were trying their best, but it was not good enough. And so I did a campaign. Yeah. And out of anger. And that was fixed the glitch. And that was fixed the glitch yeah. because I believe that these glitches in the internet is what is stopping the internet and our online platforms from fulfilling its fullest potential. 
because I use social media really well. Like, I'm giving, I'm giving myself. I'm give you the props pat, anyway. Yeah, but yeah, I'm giving myself a pat on the back because yeah. I use it really well, really positively, really engagingly. I like my gift game is strong. Mm-hmm, is. Um, my memes are really good, they and are. I'm really funny. And like, I don't stalk Idris too much, but I had that. <laughs> I, I toe the balance really well. Questionable. <laughs> Questionably, I know when that photo. Of, I photoshopped my face <laughs> next to Idris. <laughs> was a bit too much. But I see I tre- I tread the line. <laughs> so I felt like, no, disrespect was real. Like, I just was like, I literally said, and I, can, I feel like I can say this to you because you get it. I'm not a mug. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, literally yeah, what I said. Yeah, Don't yeah. mug me off. Yeah, yeah. And then I started, started this campaign out of anger. Mm-hmm. I remember when Lucrezia invited me onto ITV to talk about what happened. And who's Lucrezia? She's an ITV London Tonight presenter. Oh, okay. And she invited me on to talk about what happened. And she was like, this is not on. And I was like, it's not on. And so from there, loads of people galvanized around this campaign. And so now Glitch is all about advocacy in the UK, but internationally working with like, the UN and Canada and other governments and quangos, if you like, um, also with business and tech. before the oops moment like the the moment when like in my whole life changed i was relatively like a normal normal young person championing politics a normal young person who at 22 was elected a councillor but you know what or selected as councillor who at 22 was selected as councillor yeah but you know what i didn't know it was politics i didn't know i was politically charged what did you think you'd signed up for i i people called me moni uh-huh. People call me a, like a complainer. Right. Obviously, it's now that I can see that I was clocking social injustice, mm. and I, and I d- could see that like I was being treated differently as a black woman. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only now that you can kind of put you the language exactly. to those experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't understand it was politics. What I do remember very clearly was Charlotte Polius was my friend from school, from Maryland, primary school, secondary school, and I remember seeing her one Friday. Um, lunchtime, it was weird. Like I, like I remember this day like it was yesterday. And she's like, I see you at school on Monday. And it's Sunday morning and I'm like, uh, before you even brush your teeth, everyone's checking MSN to yeah, see I like, what's the, like, what's the news? What's the shake? Nudge. What's the, mm-hmm. nudge? Yeah, I remember nudge. <laughs> Sorry, I screamed there. <laughs> MSN and then you'd like um, go on and off so that person oh, could see the notifications yeah, and maybe go online. Yes, yeah, yes, I remember yes. good times. So, you know, you sign on MSN to see like what popped off on the Saturday mm-hmm. and um and I remember like everyone's statuses being R.I.P. Charlotte. And I just I was like, who's Charlotte? Like he just I just could not compute that yeah. this was my Charlotte. Charlotte had been stabbed at a house party the night before. And she died, um, and because Charlotte was so funny, people just thought she was gassing, she was messing about, mm. but she was literally calling for help. So she died at this, you know, at the scene, and she was stabbed by another girl. And I didn't cry; I was in shock. That was Sunday. I had dance class on a Wednesday, and I remember bursting out into tears. I think it's because dance was my was my safe space. So I think I was I felt safe to cry. I didn't cry at school. I remember like all lessons were like off we off timetable because they wanted to be around for us because it was the first time that someone in our school community had like died and obviously of knife crime and i just remember from then asking why like why like why charlotte like why why did that girl pick up a knife like why did she think that she had to like i just kept asking why and it was through the the whys that i discovered it was politics it was 
people making decisions about my community, like my ends, and like we were not being represented. And that anger, again, just fueled me to like say, look, I want to be involved in where the decisions are being made. I did youth politics for a while. So I did UK Youth Parliament. Mm -hmm. I ran to be young mayor. Mm -hmm. Like I did a UK Youth Council. But I was like, this is all tokenistic stuff. No offense to any young person who's doing it. I think it's a really good training ground and really good understanding of how politics advocacy works. But I was like, we are not controlling the budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are not controlling where resources are being allocated. Yep. And it's like, where is that happening? Mm. It was like where the adults were, right? It was the mm. big table. So mm. I was like, okay, I'm going to go get some experience, which I did. I went out to Brussels to go understand what youth rights were. Like, go and understand, like, what is it that my people in Newham don't have? Because you don't know what you don't know. So I said, let me go out to explore. See the world. To yep. see the world. Understand. To see, like, to challenge myself on, like, why is there a youth minimum wage? Why is that minimum wage the same for all age groups? Like, it was like a real, like, enlightening moment. While I was in Brussels, I applied to stand for a party as a party candidate. Okay. And... Uh, I got it I got selected and I campaigned for nine months and it was emotional because I was campaigning knocking on doors that I played like runs out run outs you know what run uh, out is when you want knock on a door and you run away ginger. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and but this time you stayed there but this time I stayed there and I was them. asking people to vote for me and I remember seeing like um, people who I obviously like they'd see me grow up and stuff and they were like I can't believe like you know I'm gonna be like putting a cross by your name at the ballot box like it was an emotional time my mum's outside at the door the polling station and it didn't really hit me what I was doing but I just knew I had to do it and then those four years were insane um and my final year on the council was when Corey Jr was shot in the head in my ward so it had been in Newham Newham had loads and loads of shootings and, and stabbings and and CJ had been shot in the head and I bawled my eyes out like I bawled my eyes out and I was just like what what are we going to do to make a difference in this area like I just don't understand why somebody who was about to start college mate has life has completely like gone and va- vanished and it was simple things that could have been changed and so I left those nine months with a bang I was like I'm doing it for CJ so I didn't I didn't care about being diplomatic I didn't care about you know upsetting you wanted people change. I wanted to make yeah. a change and yeah. be disruptive and at the same time the glitch thing happened and I was like wow okay it's not really about me now it's about championing and being an advocate for these voices I wonder whether there's something about when you're part of the machine or when you're part of those processes and you're part of those meetings and you're part of, part of, part of, is there elements of there are distractions almost as part of the way that things work that mean that being diplomatic or mean that having other priorities or being seen to be a good counsellor and making sure you're doing everything correctly means that you don't end up at the hard edge of this is what needs to be done. People being shot in the head or people being stabbed. Massively. Yeah. 100%. Like... I'm from Newham, so no one see just lost diplomacy. <laughs> just say how it is. So I think I annoyed a few people. Oh, in those three years anyway. In the oh, three okay. years. Like, <laughs> especially like the first like the first meeting, I was like, objection. <laughs> well, not objection, that's law. But I was like, I stand, I'm like voting against this thing. And you know, I was like one of very few people who stood against it. Because yeah, you, you do go in so principled and the machine does eat away at you Mm. and actually I still face that dilemma now with glitch Mm -hmm. having these pure principles but when you're doing advocacy and you're trying to compromise and and like be diplomatic how do you make sure you're not compromising your morals and your standpoints and your views and you're trying to push for the greater change particularly when you're you're coming from a place where you don't have power so I'm a black Nigerian British woman from a very working class background but 
I have no cultural capital. So what do I leverage? Who do I kind of attach myself to and all of that stuff? It's a minefield every single day. It all comes down to me when you're the founder and executive director of an organization. And the biggest thing that I love doing is around our training and education. Yep. How we can get more people to be active bystanders online mm. and especially teaching, teaching and educating young people women and girls about their online safety okay. a lot of people come to me and say oh you know I don't come I don't go on Twitter anymore or I don't post much on Instagram because of the fear of abuse and I'm like no don't be silenced this silence effect is ruined and that's what we're all about championing digital citizenship time for a break send me a message using the hashtag hashtag women take charge and please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to podcasts What would you describe yourself as technically? Because this is Women Tech Charge. Yeah. You are running a tech non-for-profit. Non yeah. What's your technical, I don't know, credentials is the wrong word, experience? I get such imposter syndrome okay. when I get, when glitch gets like, glitch or I gets like Techless. referred to within the tech sphere. Because I'm yeah. like, I can't code. <laughs> I know you're not dead yet, right? <laughs> I have tried. I have tried doing two websites. They've made me cry. Oh and I have to just remind myself, like, tech is a spectrum, like you've just said. Yeah. And I think I'm definitely about the ethics of tech, the okay. ethics of AI, the ethics of policy, mm -hmm. systems, product design, being user-centered. Yeah. I think that's my thing. So I don't know if that's human-centered design, which which correlates to my ba my background, which was which is facilitation, right? Oh, okay. So I do facilitation around political political consultancy mm -hmm. or engagement so what's the <laughs> chronology so there was born in the best place on the earth which is east london mm -hmm. and then you went to school in east london went to school in east london and did you do a levels i did a levels in east london george monarch's college what did you do a levels in oh my gosh i did history law sociology and please say politics maths, please say sorry oh, sorry then i did uh i did social policy with government at lse so that oh, was my okay. first bit Social into with government, right? Uh, under, like the applied science, if you like, political science, yes. economic theory, and all of that stuff. Yes, okay. It was hard. Right. <laughs> that was kind of my first in, into it. And it was doing uh, education policy that opened my eyes to seeing STEM. The system. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. And seeing how, yes, it was. I started blogging on STEM. If you find the blog, it's very it embarrassing. Oh, okay. I started talking about the importance of women being so in you STEM. Could, you could have, you know, we could have. We could have, yeah, we could have partnered on yeah. STEMettes. So I graduated from LSE, then did some international work experience in Brussels. That was the Brussels one. Yeah, okay. I was doing, I was working for Teach First, supporting okay. the teachers who had who had who had graduated completed their their two years in a very very hard school to get them to still stay active within education policy I and championing okay. championing the ending of inequality in education right. and then it was going freelance and saying like how can i get how can i use my facilitation skills to get more young people interested in politics and defining their political journey for themselves rather than having to go or follow our party kind of institutions that we have like our policy politics 
So I was ahead of the game. I predicted the the failure of our political parties way, way, way before we've seen it happen now. And then I was able to get a job doing some stuff around uh, in the Commonwealth and we're in the Middle East and North Africa. Okay. Getting young people thinking about... Politically engaged as well. Yeah, thinking okay. about their communities and, be, and these soft skills that they could use to give back. And it's been amazing. What is the digital equivalent of things you can do to be an active bystander? Let's say top three things. Top three, um, help report it to the platform. Okay. Uh, reply engaging to the post as originally attended. So if someone's talking about Black Lives Matter, they're not saying that White Lives Don't Matter or Asian Lives Don't Matter. They're just talking about Black Lives Don't Matter. So reply engaging how the post was originally intended. And that's a ratios thing or not Not even? That's that ratios? That's anti-ratios. No, but it could be apply around feminism. If a woman's talking about her experience with, in dating or her experience like walking down the street, she's not now saying all men. But you know how people go into the mentions and say, but it's not all men. It's like, actually, you're now derailing and gaslighting the person and making them feel bad about an experience that they've shared. So if you reply engaging with the post that's originally intended, you help shift it back. Okay, yeah, yeah. So um, that's two. That's and two. Then three. And then um, I would say... Oh, you're making me pick three. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to be cheeky. I'm going to go four because oh, one... one the is, bonus one. Um, yeah, the third and the bonus. The, go, go into their DMs. I mean, don't don't be annoying. The person the who person who's is being under targeted attack. Right, okay. and is under attack. Yeah. Like, send them a direct message or send them an encouraging post because you... Like, when you're on the... When you're on the receiving end of floods of abuse... Yes. Um, or someone is stalking you or harassing you, it can feel so isolating. And we are seeing huge impacts of psychological, the psychological impact of online harms, right? Yeah. With self-harming, suicide rates through the roof. Uh-huh. Like med- the medical professions have been saying that they've had an increase of like um, cases all linking back to social media. Okay. So if we can send an encouraging message to someone to say like, I've seen you or great lipstick or yeah. ignore that, like ign- not don't ignore the trolls, but um, you know, we're not all trolling you we love you we support mm, you mm. that helps kind of provide a light okay. in what can feel like a very dark and nice. gloomy time yeah and the fourth one the, the bonus, bonus one yeah. it's just selfishly um we need more data around this so okay. i really try and encourage people where possible to document abuse and we've okay. got a free resource on glitches themselves website. or of other people if you saw me going through something yeah. and you're like how can i help you sis yeah. i'd be like can you please document the abuse because i might miss some things or i might have muted my filters yeah so documenting abuse for yourself, but yeah. also as an active bystander for somebody else okay. is really helpful. Then we can take that to police and start capturing more data around online harms and abuse. Yeah. It's been the thing that I've been trying to push the most um, with Glitch to be intersectional. And I'm really glad that we do. Like we, we back and support trans women, LGBT, mm. um, people of colour and black women. Black women are the most likely to receive online abuse, right? What was the stat? It was like Diane was, Abbott received. Diane Abbott, rec- Diane, uh, Diane Abbott received so much abuse that she skewed the data for when they were looking at just labor women okay like she skewed it off the graph yeah. that's how much abuse but it was something gets. like high 90s or whatever oh the, yeah the, yeah yeah. Kind of, yeah and women are th- every 30 seconds a woman is sent an abusive or problematic message on twitter mm. and black women are 84 percent more likely to face harassment online than white women and we don't have any data around this like, that's the only data that's we have. Yeah. <laughs> that one, right? And, and I really want to make this point that because I do a lot of international development work and, you know, like you said, I came back from the UN. We're talking about gender equality. And, you know, part of gender, equality's, uh, gender equality is trying to improve access to the internet and broadband. And I'm all for it. But my bugbear, mate, like you can see me now as well, like my bugbear is that we are not getting ahead of that. 
we've not learned from what's happening in the West yeah. where now it's been so embedded in our culture yeah. and the bad behaviours as well have been embedded yeah. in our culture. Yeah. We are access, we're we are giving villages and towns access to the internet, giving women mobile phones because we think that's empowering them, but not giving them any education around safety, around like this potentially could make you more targeted, target, mm. right? Like mm. taking to- you're told to take photos of your private parts mm. and sell that. Like mm. there's a huge complexities around it. And I really want to get ahead of the game now. And that's what I personally want to get, want to be into like post glitch or maybe with glitch, if trustees allow me to, is that how we can get ahead at any time someone is given access to the internet, they already have digital citizenship, like, in them mm. anytime someone's thinking about a tech tech thing there's a kind of 10 top 10 tips around digital citizenship that um they can think about you in the innovation like guns kind of you have to pass the test yeah like a digital yeah. citizenship license yeah. i like this creativity can we make anti-bot bots and i wonder whether there's something about almost having glitch bots yeah. and then it allows people to sit there and report stuff or yeah. sit there and document stuff or yeah. sit there and think of something nice to say and it can suggest something nice to say. So this was there was an event we were a part of a couple of years ago where young people made this don't say that bot. So it would search through Twitter and look for people saying really mean things and would reply and say, don't say that. And people would actually either stop or they'd reply and be like, no, I didn't mean it. I'm, yeah, I'm really sorry I said that. Amazing. So I wonder whether there's something about... You know, can you build a can, we can you build a glitch bot? Can you have a glitch army? Yeah. I think there's something about that citizens brigade slash Yeah, yeah. Mo- mob the, the not the mob, like yeah. a squad. Yeah, the so squad or like the what's it neighborhood watch neighborhood, almost. Yeah, I like that. So it'd be great to see how it can be automated, but we are gonna do a respondathon. So we're gonna do a like a campaign uh, to okay. demonstrate how one, how difficult it is to um how how online space has become so toxic. So we want to yeah. want to show how much abuse women are getting. Mm. But we also want to demonstrate how to be an online active bystander. We've called this a respondathon, mm-hmm. um, and we'll be talking about um, this in the spring around mm. a big like a hundred volunteers who will be responding to hate that high, ten high profile women have received. Mm. But it would be great to see how that could be automated a little Mm. bit more. How do we get tech and and AI and all the other trends in the fourth industrial revolution to be in a similar place where we now have the internet, we now have really good ways of disseminating information to a lot of different people. Maybe not everyone because digital exclusion is real. But also if they see something where it's like, oh, I wonder whether tech would make this quicker or tech would make this better or make a better experience. It's wishing and I'm kind of wishing and hoping that that's something that we get to quickly. This is digital citizenship. Yeah. That's why I've not called it like tech citizenship or anything. I've tried to make sure that the term that we're using just really shows that anyone can have an opinion, should really have an opinion and can take a stance on their digital rights, privacy, their digital footprint, um, their digital safety and security, but at mm. the same time understanding their role in creating a positive online experience, a positive digital experience. Because if you do then go on to be a technologist or a, I don't know, an AI professor or whatever, that basic fundamental thinking about digital citizenship rights and responsibilities will be so embedded in you as a value system that we wouldn't keep creating these technologies that are already inherently biased or problematic or have the ills that you've just spoken about. That's the problem. I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's the people that have that agency and people that have power and that are creating need to have that embedded in them and and up until now it's been you need to have maths embedded in you. This is it. And that's the sole qualification for being part of it. 
this is it. But this is what sense. you do so well. You're so collaborative. You don't hold space. Yeah, you've got an open door policy, particularly to women and black women. And it's amazing. And I think that in itself, role models, how we should work in this tech space where I've been around people who make me feel, no wait, I take that back because I believe no one can make you feel anything. Right? Okay. But I've been around people who I have now felt like, oh my gosh, I need to go away and do a master's at o OII, the Oxford of Institute, whatever it's called. I need to go and- Yeah, I need to go and get a doctorate by my name to be taken seriously. And actually, no, no, actually part of it is recognizing that lived experience, you know, it's my lived experience that has meant that we have taken this term digital citizenship to a whole nother level. Before people were talking about it in the terms of like digital literacy and knowing how to code and all of that stuff, which is amazing and we need that. But that kind of ethics point to it, that kind of policy accountability of platforms, of business, of tech, of tech, of government, that was missing. And that only comes by some from somebody who isn't in that space. But I, I want I want the both though. Yes. So I feel like the digital literacy enables and empowers and brings the digital citizenship to to the truest form or the best form of itself. 100%. So I feel like because people have been made to feel like that, they aren't even participating. So right. the only way to reverse that is to say, fine, I'm going to teach you how to make a website so you know how a website works. <laughs> and then now you can know, oh, okay, everyone, everything's like that on the website. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now can you tell me whether you're okay with the robot making this decision about you know, whether you were the criminal that was there or not, you know, that kind of thing. I think you're right. And I think it should be our digital right mm. to be taught exactly proficiently exactly like that's exactly right. like digi the digital it's space and tech and then therefore with rights come responsibilities mm. and it's around this idea of being an online active bystander around reclaiming our online spaces the way we do the offline spaces like i totally believe that and i think that's if anyone's listening to this i would i would encourage you to really think about like how you can help make the online space safer I'm gonna end it there. So, so what have we learnt? Um, four ways to be an active bystander. We've learnt if you have got the spare time and you can build a bot, build a glitch bot. Thank you very much, Shayi. Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> this is Women Tech Charge. Subscribe and rate wherever you get your podcasts. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 